So we think about pain, struggles, and trials. Why even talk about it? I'll give you one reason. A faith that leaves us unprepared for suffering, pain, and struggles is a false faith that deserves to be lost. A lot of bad theology surfaces when we face trials, suffering, and pain. John Piper writes in Spectacular Sins, and I quote, Wimpy worldviews make wimpy Christ, and wimpy Christians won't survive the days ahead. End of quote. Auschwitz survivor Victor Frank wrote in The Unconscious God, and I quote, Just as a small fire is extinguished by the storm, whereas a large fire is embraced by it, likewise a weak faith is weakened by predicaments, whereas a strong faith is strengthened by them. End of quote. When people lose their faith because of trials and suffering, it is usually a weak or nominal or false faith that doesn't account for or prepare them for suffering and trials. Shouldn't faith not be based on truth, be lost? And probably the sooner the better. Believing in God is not the same as trusting the God who exists. A professing Christian often discovers in suffering that his faith has been in his church, denomination, God fixing him, or family tradition, but not Christ. Thus, as he faces suffering, he may lose his faith, which really wasn't faith. But that's actually a good thing. It wasn't a faith worth keeping. Genuine faith will be tested. False faith <clears throat> will be lost. What do you base your faith on? And does your faith in God prepare you to suffer? Think for a moment about just the extent of suffering that comes into the world as we seek to learn to suffer well. I think one of the greatest testimonies that a Christian can have is to die well. One of the greatest testimonies that a Christian have, can have is to suffer well. We all have suffer. The extent of suffering, and I'm not talking merely about physical suffering. I'm talking about the pain and the suffering that comes in our relationship with God. Other believers are in relationships, but with God, other believers, marriage, family, job, school, neighbors. You know, sometimes we struggle with God. God, I thought if I walk with you, my life would be easier. And God, I thought I was following your will when I made this decision, and things turn out terrible. We struggle with God. Sometimes we struggle with other believers. Recently, I was talking to an utterly saint, and the individual said to me, Pastor, I'm still hurting from what happened with some other believers. And she was referring to some things that happened about six to ten years earlier. No, that's part of 
the suffering I'm talking about. How about marriage? How many of you in marriage at least once were not understood by your mate? No, your mate just doesn't get it. He or she, you know, just doesn't understand you. How about job? You work hard. And you take flack for that. How about school? When I was in school, a couple other guys and I went through some difficult times. We had the academics, that was sections one and two. We had the commercial kids, section three. We had the general kids, which was section four. Then we had the ag kids, which was section five. You notice a progression there. So the academic kids in sections one and two were the smarties. The commercial kids in section three were average. The general kids were dumb. And the ag kids were dumber, dumber. And that was known throughout the school. If you were an ag kid, you were known to be the low end of the totem pole. You know, you were the dumber, dumber category. You were expected to do poorly. You got all the poor teachers. You didn't get a good English teacher like the academic kids did. Same thing with some other aspects, and you got the Dumber Dumber courses. And like I said, that was well known. And that created a struggle for a lot of people, you know, just relationships in the context of school. There are also maybe struggles that come financially. You know, you just never get ahead. You die still being behind the eight ball. Or, you know, you may have a financial reversal. There can be Physical problems, you know, pain. We go to the doctor, we battle with physical problems. There may be mental struggles, you know, just renewing your mind and thinking well. There may be emotional struggles that come in our world. You might be depressed. The hymn history that Travis shared this morning, you know, a guy who went through depression most of his life, but yet God worked and God used him. That was a struggle. It may be in the job or in the school, as we mentioned before. It may be spiritual. You're not where you desire to be, and you just think, well, I'll ever get to where I desire to be. Now, I want you to think about, for discussion tonight and the next couple of weeks, what trial or suffering or pain or difficulty are you facing at this time? And I would like you to walk that through our discussion. And again, we're not talking merely about physical trials because there's a lot of other pain and suffering in the world. I think it's important to have a theology of suffering. We develop a belief about God in suffering. And I think it's a good time to develop that is when you're young. But if you're older, still develop it, because you're going to have some. If you're five years old, you've been through some suffering and difficulties already. If you're 10 years old, you've been through a few more. If you're 20, you've been through a few more. It's life. And I think we need to develop a good theology. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. 
We're not going to read a lot in Genesis 1, merely look at one verse. The last verse in Genesis 1, after God created the universe, he created Adam, he created Eve. Verse 31 says, God all saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. It is very, very important that we fix in our minds and we understand that when God created, what he created was good. Sin, relational struggles, pain, suffering, emotional battles, mental battles, financial difficulties were not part of God's creation. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. We must instill that in our mind because if we don't, we end up drifting from God when the pain, the struggles, the trials come. But what is the impact of the fall? Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. By the way, work is not part of the curse. Now, there was work before the curse. But to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So he has given all this freedom within God's structure to eat of anything in the garden, but he's not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And remember, Adam and Eve were created in God's image, and part of God's image is the ability to choose. So they have the ability to choose how they're going to respond. And then we know that Eve was created. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And the idea of nakedness is that they could be totally open with one another, fully known. And they accepted one another, cared for one another. Adam never hid from Eve, and Eve never hid from Adam. So Adam didn't come in from doing something in the garden, and Eve said, what would you do today, Adam? And Adam said, well, I'm not sure I want to tell you, Eve. No, just total openness. But the scene changes in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Did God really say you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? It's interesting that the serpent, in his craftiness, came to the woman. He defied God's order. He should have came to Adam because Adam was the one who received the instruction. But Adam, in apparently passivity, sat back and didn't say, hold it, serpent. If you're going to talk to anyone, talk to me. He left the serpent talk to Eve. In verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we meet from fruit. We meet fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. We're not going to take time to note that she kind of shifts what God said. But the serpent says in verse 4, you will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be open." And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then we find in verses 6 and 7 that Eve took some. She gave some to Adam. They both ate and their eyes were opened. 
and something happened immediately. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Relationships began to change. The impact of the fall brought about the relationship with God being affected. Adam and Eve now hide. Look at verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I was in, or I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. What's Adam doing? Adam and Eve are both hiding from God. And then Adam blames, basically blaming God. You know, this woman that you gave to me, she's the one that led me astray. In the relationship with God, because of the fall, there's a hiding. How tempted we are to hide from God and struggles. I've been told over and over again over the years as people go through various trials, no, I'm really upset at God. Do you ever tell him? Well, I can't do that. Why hide from him? He already knows. You may as well admit it. You say, I can talk to God that I'm upset at him? Why not? David did. David says in the Psalms, you know, how long are you going to hide from me? Isn't it better to say to God, you know, I'm really upset at you. You allow this trial to come into my life and you just don't seem to respond to me at all and I'm upset at you. But see, the fall affects our responding to God. See, we try to hide from God. Well, you say you should never be upset at God. Read through the Bible and find out how many Bible characters were upset at God. In one way, shape, or form, the majority were. But when they hid, they get into trouble. When they blamed, they get into trouble. But the impact of the fall is on a relationship with God. The impact of the fall is also a relationship with humans. What did Adam do? He blamed Eve. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then we find that God curses the serpent. Skip down to verse 16 of chapter 3. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Well, that's a dynamic change there. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. No, relationships are affected. 
To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. That carries over to today where we hide and hurl in our relationships. I remember very distinctly when dad would say, okay, guys, it's time to pick stones today. When we would go out after we were done with the barn work and pick stones in the hot sun till it's time to do the evening barn work and get a break for lunch. And we would whine and complain to dad. Oh, why do we have to do this? Can't someone else do it? And so on. Dad's standard response was, it's going to help you to learn to work. See, that struggle we had with dad goes back to Adam and Eve, that relational struggle. You have a little run-in with your neighbor. Some struggle with your neighbor, that goes back to the fall. You're battling emotionally goes back to the fall. The impact of the fall also involves death. Physical, sickness, suffering that leads to death. God clearly says in verse 19, for dust you are and to dust you will return. Chapter 5 in verse 3 or I'm sorry, verse 5. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Verse 8. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years, and he died. Verse 11. Altogether, Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. Verse 14. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. And that goes on and on. You know, people died. That's part of the fall. We have sickness we have suffering, and we have death. <coughs> and we don't have to stop and think very long to figure out someone that's going through physical suffering <coughs> or has faced death recently. That's part of the world we live in. But it's part of the fall. What God created was good. There was none of this. But Adam and Eve chose not to obey. Tied in with that, there is just pain and suffering, and there is toil, and that toil is painful. I don't think any of us really relish pain, physical pain, or relational pain. Most of us don't say, you know, I just enjoy these fights that I have with my family or my neighbor or someone on the job, you know. We generally don't do that. We try to avoid them. The same is true physically. Anyone here been to the doctor in the last year to try to do something about something you're facing physically? That's part of the fall. Also, there's a curse on the ground. Work becomes painful toil. 
There's now thorns and there's now thistles. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. I'm kind of anticipating new heaven and a new earth. Maybe we can plant a garden then and we won't have to worry about the weeds and all the other things that come with painful toil. There's also pain in childbearing. I can't comment too too much on that. I've never been through it. I've experienced my wife going through it. I'll stop at that. But God said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. And then there's death. Spiritual death. And eternal death. Remember Genesis 1, 31 says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. The stuff that is not so good is a result of the fall. If you want to be sought and light and an ambassador for Christ, listen to how many people will talk to you about pain, suffering, or difficulties. And if you can take them and explain to them that this is what God created, and here's why we have pain, suffering, and difficulties. I remember very distinctly at a funeral I had a number of years ago. It was for a family that was, I think everyone there was all unbelievers. The deceased was an unbeliever. And as part of the funeral service, I went to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and explained what God had done, explained the fall and the results of the fall. And I could visibly see light squawn in some people's minds. Oh, is that what's going on? Never understood what God created and how Adam and Eve's choice influenced their lives and why their loved one was in the casket. Wide open door. Because everyone goes through pain, suffering, and trials of some type, somewhere along the line. Number two, God is not to be blamed for suffering. He gave free will. But God gets blamed over and over again. (laughs) And he takes it. And that gives us open doors of opportunity to respond. But God's not to be blamed for suffering. Who is to be blamed? I think Satan, at least partially to be blamed, maybe directly, Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. I want you to think about something. Here's a serpent coming to Adam and Eve. There was no world system. There was no pattern of thought that was incorrect. No world system. There was no sinful nature. Adam and Eve didn't have a sinful nature. What was present? God's good creation with a crafty serpent 
that attack Adam and Eve with a doubt question. Stop and think about that. The enemy is pretty crafty. No world system, no sinful nature, but yet he lured Adam and Eve into sin. Now we have the sinful nature, the world system, plus the enemy, but we also have Christ, which Adam and Eve didn't have, and we'll get to that in the future. Adam is also responsible. Will you say this woman was the one who took the fruit and gave some to Adam? But who did God approach? Adam. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Who did God give the instructions to in Genesis 2? Adam. Who does God hold responsible? Adam. When you get over to Romans chapter 5, he talks about the fact that there's the first Adam not the first Eve, there's a first Adam. And then there's a second Adam referring to Christ. In chap- chapter 3 and verse 17 of Genesis, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it, cursed is the ground, and so on. See, Adam listened to his wife, not to the Lord. So Adam, I guess you would say indirectly responsible. But in Genesis, or I'm sorry, in Romans 5, he talks about in Adam there's death. In Adam there's separation and so on. But in Christ there is victory. See, when we blame God for what we go through, We're buying into the enemy's lie. So you're laying in the hospital in tremendous pain. And you say, God, why me? Beware. Don't take that too far. You're in a deep relational struggle and you say, God, why me? Beware, you may be taking that. If you take that very far, you're going to end up blaming God, and you can't blame God and trust him at the same time. All is due, basically. All is due to Adam and Eve's choice not to trust God. They listen to the serpent rather than to God. Lack of trust has very, very deep consequences on many people. Adam and Eve's lack of trust influenced the entire human race. The same is true today. A mother chooses to be bitter in pain and suffering. 
She has influenced her mate and her children for life. Dad is negligent in teaching and training children, you know, not trusting God and taking his responsibility. He has influenced his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and his great-great-grandchildren. See, choices not to trust have a tremendous impact. A child resists a parent's teaching and training. And I'm talking as a pattern. You are choosing to influence your mate, your children, your future employer, your future fellow employees, the teachers that you have at school, fellow believers, and so on. Because how a child responds to parents if they choose not to trust God by obeying parents, that influences their whole life. And I'm talking again, a pattern of life. See, Adam chose not to trust God. Tremendous impact. The whole world. Some of what we get through in trials and suffering is simply because someone in our past did not trust God. When you say, I'll blame them, you'd be better off to give up the blame game and walk with Christ and seek him, as we'll discuss either next week or a couple weeks from now. See, Adam and Eve made choices not to trust, a choice not to trust God, which had a tremendous impact. That lack of trust influences. Our lack of trust influences so very, very many. Years ago, when Ruth Ann and I were living in Tennessee, we were poor. And by poor, I mean poor. You know, we didn't basically have any money and we didn't have any food at a period of time and so on. And I said to Ruth Ann, we're really poor. So what little money I do earn along the way, we're not going to give any to God. He knows we're poor and we need every penny we can get. And she didn't argue with me or debate me. Well, we went from poor to poorer, to poorer, whatever that is. And finally, I said, you know, God, I think maybe I've been wrong here. I've been leading my wife in the wrong way. I said, okay, whatever money I earn, we'll seek to honor you. But that choice influenced Ruth Ann very, very deeply. And we didn't continue that, you know, for an extended period of time. So I said, okay, God, I'll trust you. So when we, I earned my few nickels and dimes and dollars selling fuller brush or working for a contractor, I said, okay, God, we'll, we'll give to you. Did things improve a lot? No. I didn't do that to improve. And by the time I graduated from college, things had changed tremendously. 
They delivered newspapers about 25 hours a week. And if what I made then were present in today's economy, you know, if you take the inflation, I probably would be making, if I had that same job, 120 to $140,000 for 25 hours of work a week. But see, the Lord tested us in a different way then. Now we had more money, more than we needed. Now, were we going to hoard that or give it away? The Lord challenged us very deeply. And by the time we left college, we were giving about 40% of our gross income away by choice because of what happened earlier. And along the way that, I'm not talking percentage, that was just, you know, the way it worked. But see where I'm coming from? I was tempted to blame God so we're not going to give. Well, we, didn't, we started to give, but we didn't do that in order for God to bless. He obviously blessed, but then that blessing changed some when we left school. And I worked for my brother. You know, I took a big, big cut in pay. But again, trusting God. Our trust or lack of trust in trials, in difficulties, influences people so very, very deeply. I think many of you know that Ruth Ann struggles with migraine headaches. <clears throat> How she responds to that trial is influencing her children, her grandchildren, influencing this body of Christ, influencing many in this community what we go through and how we respond in the pain and the suffering that we go through influences so very, very many. Maybe a physical trial, a relational trial, a mental struggle, an emotional battle, something in school. But get a few core things down that uh, what God created was good. The impact of the fall was very, very great. God's not to be blamed. And all basically is due to Adam and Eve's choice. That's why we are where we are, but now we're responsible for how we respond <laughs> as we live in a fallen world, and we'll pick up on that next week. Any questions or comments before we close in prayer? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. And we know we have looked at the, maybe the dark side of things tonight as far as what happened with the fall and what we face and the impact of Adam and Eve. We do struggle with living in a fallen world, Father. We get p weary of pain. We get weary of struggles. We get weary of trials. And we get down the path of hiding or blaming or becoming bitter. And probably of all, all of us have been down that path at least part of the way. But in grace, you work in our lives. We're grateful for that. May we develop correct beliefs about pain and suffering and trials, whatever type they may be. 
and then come to understand Christ and what he has done. May we be a people who suffer well, suffer in a godly way with a hope that drives us not to despair, but to rejoice in our trials, to let others carry our burdens, and that moves us more and more to an openness with God, with Christ, and with other believers as we yield to the Spirit. And Father, when we blow it, when we do become bitter, we do become angry, graciously work in our lives to bring us back on target, as you have done so many times down through the pages of history. Thank you for your grace, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.